It's okay. All right, welcome back to the Freedom Chasers podcast. Today, we're thrilled to have a true luminary in the world of empowerment and entrepreneurship. She's the voice behind the Glow Getter podcast, the visionary behind the Glow Getter conference, and the go-to coach for leveling up your business and Instagram game. Um, Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the dynamic Ashley Maydow to the show. Ashley, thank you for joining us. Tim, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. So let's dive into it. I would love to hear the story. Obviously, you (laughs) do many things. Like what got Mm -hmm. you into the business that you're into today? Oh, okay. So we have a fun backstory to this. Okay. So basically what happened was I had started an event planning business back, it feels like I'm aging myself, but I was quite young. (laughs) It was uh, 2008. And when I first launched it, I had worked for an event planner prior to, and it was just for a summer term position fell in love with event planning, and it went from there. So I started my business. When I first started my business, it wasn't overly well known yet for independent event planners. A lot of event planners were in-house in organizations and businesses. So I had to really think outside the box. So what I did instead was I started creating community events, and I had just moved from Ontario in Canada over to Alberta. So big move, had to figure out what I was doing. And I started doing these community events to get to know people and to work with like see other businesses and just meet people. So I created a fashion show for cancer at that time. And then the next year I got asked to do a local bridal show. So I live just outside of the big city of Edmonton. And there was a lot of wedding professionals in our area, but not a lot of people knew about them. So I was asked to t- uh, take this and do a bridal show to show what we had in the area. In those two events, I started working with a ton of small business owners because there was a trade show portion to each event. And so over the years, I kept doing those events annually. And after a few years, I started hearing more and more about what the business owners were looking for, like how they were using trade shows to market their businesses, but they needed more than just like a one trade show a year. Like they were trying to figure out how to grow their businesses. And social media was starting to come in then. It was Facebook at that time. And it was just really interesting to hear what they were looking for. Now, at that time, they couldn't afford to go to, say, Toronto or into the U.S. to uh go to big conferences to learn more about business. They just couldn't afford it. And so they were just saying, I don't know what else to do. So I was like, well, what if I created a conference and brought all the industry leaders to us here and just created something for in, for women in business at that time? Because that was mainly who I was working with. And so they loved the idea. I started thinking, okay, well, we'll get people from like an hour radius around us, like as far as Edmonton, maybe. And I started asking who they wanted to hear and who they wanted to learn from. And so what happened was everybody started saying they wanted to hear from Arlene Dickinson, which is off the CBC's Dragon's um, Den show show here in Canada, which is like Shark's Tank for anybody listening in the US. (laughs) And so I brought Arlene in and it was just incredible. It took a lot of work to get a TV celebrity to come into a smaller town. Um, And basically it blew up in the best way possible. We ended up getting people that bought tickets from all across Canada into the States. It was incredible. I've never seen anything like it. And so after that event was so successful, I started getting asked to speak and teach on business and what I was doing and and how I was using social media to market. So that's where it all kind of started for me. And then it led into other things such as the podcast a few years later, but that's where it all began. (laughs) Okay, very cool. So I have 
at least a couple dozen questions. So this will be an easy <laughs> way to start it off. So um, I love how you, you were just like, oh, what if I just created a conference for this? Like, it was just Ooh, like, yeah. so was it as easy as you made it sound there is what I'm asking. <laughs> Most definitely not. It took a lot of resources, a lot of support. Um, it really took a lot of time with me developing what my vision was for it to then go and explain it and express it to people and share it with others and say, I want people to get involved. Now, of course, once Arlene's name was attached to it, it was a no brainer for a lot of businesses um, to get involved, but it was still a lot of hard work leading up to it. And then it still took that whole year of planning and prepping for it. No kidding. So that's a great lead into the next question. How does somebody go about approaching a celebrity and trying to get them to come to an event like this? It definitely is not easy, but the one thing I will say is always make an ask because you just never know. Like that will lead into what we'll talk about a bit later about what I've got going on this year. But one of the biggest takeaways that I've learned over my years in business is make the ask because the absolute worst case scenario is they're going to say no and that's okay. It doesn't change anything, right? Um, If they say yes, it obviously could change a lot, but if no, it doesn't really change anything. And there's other opportunities. I always love the quote of like, if one door closes, another opens. So there's always going to be something else if one doesn't you know, work out. So always just make the ask. Um, and the biggest thing is just reaching out and finding the direct contact. So for for Arlene, for example, it was working with her agents. So it involves a little bit of research and a little bit of uh, just figuring out who you need, need to connect with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love the advice of just making the ask. And then a lot of people Mm -hmm. will get concerned like, oh, what if I burn that bridge? And it's like, you know, if they deny you, they're not going to remember you in 20 minutes. Um, (laughs) Unless you really made a bad impression, right? Right. Really (laughs) somehow made a bad impression. Just ask them again in 90 days. Um, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) uh, Exactly. Yeah. So you mentioned you had to, because essentially this person had a team of people that you need to get in touch with first. Um, How would you go about finding that team of people, so to speak? Yeah, I would say if it's somebody that is a celebrity, you're most often going to look at speaker agencies. So you're going to look for the ones that, of course, now I'm familiar with some of the top ones here in Canada. I'm not sure exactly in the US. I know there's quite a few. Um, But looking, even starting at something like the Speakers Bureau, I know there are those in different countries, and just looking to see who they are represented by. I always had a fear when I first started this of like, what if it's somebody that's, you know, it's the internet, anybody could be an agent online or, you know, something like that. So I definitely did my research and made sure that everything was legit and legitimate with what they were posting and the reviews and connecting with people and, and all of that. So it was really good to see that. The other thing you can do is you most often can go to like, say, a celebrity or um, industry leaders website and see who that they also recommend, because if they have an agent, then they're going to have their contact information on there as well. So that is what helped me get the correct information for sure. Absolutely. And you could just ask people on Instagram because they, right? if they have handlers, they're likely to be like, hey, do this. Like, for yeah. example, we reached out to Tony Robbins and they're like, hey, Obviously, Tony gets a lot of people that that, yep. that are requesting for him to be on the show. It's like, if you yeah. want to send a gift, wink, wink, um, yeah. you can send it to this address. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to sit on this for a minute. It's like, if I want to send a gift to Tony Robbins, it better be the right gift. Um, so, <laughs> so it could be that simple, which is an easy transition to the next topic, too, because you're an Instagram coach. Um, and this is super pertinent for real estate agents. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how would you approach Insta- say, Instagram marketing? Excuse me. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so would you say like Instagram marketing in general, or do you mean like reaching out on Instagram? Um, great question. Let's just do Instagram marketing in general. In general. Okay. So the biggest thing I find with Instagram is that I feel like it's very easy to connect with other people on there. I feel like the profiles are very straightforward. It's very easy to connect with someone. Um, sometimes it's maybe a little bit harder when, say, you're connecting with people that have larger audiences. So maybe they can't always get back to, say, DMs or anything like that. But when you're just starting out, what I recommend is really sharing who you are, what you do. Um, I think for a long time, we were under the impression that we had to provide a lot of value and we weren't talking about what we offer. And I feel like that's that's really changing in the trends right now where people want to know how to work with you. Like if you're going to have a business profile, the value is great. Content that has value is amazing. Um, but we also want to see how to work with you. So make sure when you get started and maybe you're just setting up a profile up or you're just starting to grow on there is that you have really clear information on how to work with you on your page, your bio, um, links that are something that if it's like booking a call with you or booking, you know, to connect with you in some way, maybe it's having your email email address on there. One piece of advice I will say is I always say have boundaries with your clients. So I mean, this is a whole other topic. But um, what you're going to do is when you have a profile on Instagram, and you have the ability to add either a phone number or an email address on your profile, this is you training your clients or potential clients of how to work with you or how to contact you. If you don't actually like phone calls, do not put your phone number on there. <laughs> and if you don't have maybe an email system right now, and you prefer phone calls, then really make sure you focus on having your phone number on there. So same thing if right, like, so you can choose how to train your customers to connect with you on there. So that's really important. And I know a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in the beginning stages where we're trying to build our businesses and get things really up and going, we kind of want to do it all. And we want to be super available and, and have all of the offers out there. But really make sure that you're aware of where you enjoy spending your time if it's dealing with emails, if it's, you know, dealing with phone calls with your clients, like for me, for example, I deal all my clients online. So I deal basically through DMs and emails, I would not put my phone number out there. That's not the type of business I'm in. And nor would they need anything. Now I'm not like, I'm not in a say an industry where there's going to be like an emergency or say like, you know, something comes up for sale, and it's only limited time where as say, like in real estate, you know, there could be a, like a property that comes up for sale, or maybe it hasn't even been listed yet. So there might be needing for more ur urgent contact, right? So that's where it can differ based on what you do. Absolutely. I'm 100% with you. I try not to give my phone number out anymore. But most of the real estate agents that are listening, it's they're kind of put into a category where they're going to want to put their number out there because most yeah. real estate agents, you're kind of putting yourself in a bad position if you're not reachable almost at yes. any time, which yeah. is unfortunate for you guys. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about optimizing your Instagram profile because I think that was important. We touched upon it a bit. You, basically, mm -hmm. you want to turn it into a funnel. And this is something I don't do well, by the way. Um, but um, you want to turn it into a funnel. You want a clear call to action, right? What yes. are some actions people can take in order to actually accomplish that? That's a great question. So one thing that I like to start with is having in your bio very clear um very clear information on what you do and how the best way to contact you. So I know it's unfortunate that it's very limited characteristics that you can put to the characters in your actual bio, um, but having really clear action steps in there. So if you have enough, I like always 
always having um, some information on who it is that you serve. So who it is that you work with. So when someone does come across your profile, they know if they fit that or not, if that's somebody that um, they would want to work with and that would help them that, you know, maybe specializes in them. So like, say example, again, in real estate, like if you're in a certain area, you want to make sure that you're putting that in to your profile. So people in that area know, okay, oh yes. Like, you know, they're in Chicago. Oh yes. Like they're in Florida. So that specific area really helps. Um, and then of course, if it's maybe they work with first time home buyers or maybe they work, right? So just being really clear on who they work with and also what they do. So obviously real estate is like a realtor that obviously tells you sell and buy homes, right? So, um, really, if there's any areas you specialize in, or you just really enjoy working in, make sure you highlight those and then let them know what the next step or the even just the first step of getting in contact. So say somebody's thinking of selling their home, and maybe they want them to reach out via DM, or maybe going to a website specifically to fill in some information first. So maybe the realtor has a process. So this I goes, it goes for any business, it doesn't even have to be just realtor, but anybody that you have you want to have a bit of a journey, right? Of where, like you said, that funnel of where they come through. So if it's easier for you to keep track of information on how they reach out, sometimes people don't love doing this through DMs. Like there's photographers I know that ask for no DM inquiries because they can't keep up with that, right? Like it's not the most organized system that way. So sometimes it's easier to go through a website, collect information that way. So whatever works best for you, have that clear call to action right in your bio. Yes, it's hard to track, but it's easy to find these people and they have direct access to me and they don't have my phone number. So it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's much easier for me because in retrospect, mm-hmm. I like it. Um, you said yeah. something very important there, like who do you serve? And you, mm-hmm. you, you, you notated location first, which obviously if yeah. you're a realtor and you're not putting a location, you're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also talked about like actually niching down. Um, mm-hmm. And I talk about this with my audience all the time, but I, let's yeah. get your perspective. Like, why should more realtors be niching down? Because everybody should be doing it. If you're not doing it, you should consider it right now. Right. Yeah. So what I find is that when you niche down, even if it's just a little bit, you start understanding a little bit more about who your potential client is. And when you can understand who your potential client is, it's much easier to speak their language. It's much easier to find them and then also attract them. Right. So then you understand the keywords that they might recognize or associate themselves with. So then it's easier for you, like I said, like as an example, first time home buyer. So of course, somebody that's thinking that yes, they want to buy for the very first time, they're automatically going to associate themselves into that category. So if it's somebody that specializes in that, and shares that they specialize in that, then that person's going to automatically feel more comfortable because they know they're going to understand the process for them. Absolutely. And it's so easy too to actually mm-hmm. look like an expert. Even if you're brand new, you could be like, I am a first time home buyer expert. You could ask right? one first time home buyer yep. as many questions that come to mind, mm-hmm. or actually just sit with them and, and answer yep. the questions that they have for you and write down the questions and mm-hmm. then shoot videos on those 20 questions. And exactly. boom, you are a first time home buyer expert. And anybody that finds you will think you're an expert. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's really exactly. That <laughs> it is. It's very easy. And that's the other thing too, is any of the clients you've ever worked with, any of the questions like you've just said, any questions they've had, anything that they've brought up is all potential content for attracting more of those same customers. And I always tell my clients, like, go back to those clients 
clients you love working with and go through what you've worked on with them. Go through what they've questioned and asked about and wanted to learn more on. Because if that's your dream client, if that's who you want to continue working with more of and you want to attract more of them, then you're going to want to really understand their language and what they're looking for. Absolutely. And I think that's one thing a lot of people doing content do wrong. Because a lot mm-hmm. of them will be like, oh my, I have to, I have to look really smart. And I'm like, mm-hmm. actually, it's the opposite. You don't have to look smart at all. You just, you just need to answer <laughs> questions that people are actually asking. And they're not yeah. asking the most complex question, not on average, no. right? So obviously, no. you, could, you could shoot for that top 10%, but then hopefully <laughs> you have a niche defined yeah. that you're going for, right? Maybe you're the exactly. 203K rehab guy. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Um, um, so yeah, let's, let's talk about like posting schedules and stuff like that. Do you mm-hmm. have a content curation model that you guys use or just give me some insight there? Yeah, definitely. I think one of the biggest things that I've understood from entrepreneurs is that they feel like they need to be posting all the time. They feel like they're, they're being told to be consistent. There's so many ideas and so many things like reels are always changing and, you know, posts are changing. And now there's the carousels that are coming back more and more. And it's just like, right, it's never ending change. And I think entrepreneurs get really stuck in the, I got to be posting, I got to be on there every day, I got to be consistent, or I just got to be showing up. And I think what happens is that I think entrepreneurs then lose track of what they're actually creating. They just are like just trying to be on there. Um, So I think they kind of miss out on the strategy part. So what I like to do, first of all, is when I look at my client's upcoming schedules, I look at what their offers are. So this can be product or service-based businesses. I look at what they're really promoting. Now, obviously, real estate moves a little bit faster than a typical, like, say, product-based business. So things are constantly always being added and changed. But you also know if there's new properties coming up, you can easily share about that. You're going to have some notice about that. You can prep that content, right? So I always look at whatever is coming up and make sure that my content stays focused around that in that month. So I like planning at least a month at a time. I usually don't like getting too, too far ahead in planning. I mean, I could potentially plan up to 90 days at a time, but you also have to leave room for things changing, like trends, like I was just saying, right? Like there's always going to be changes, things happening in the world, different things going on around us that we might have to be prepared for. But usually a month ahead gives us a good idea of what we're focusing on in our business and then creating the content around it. Right. So really getting a good idea of what you have coming up and creating those kinds of posts. So what I usually try to recommend is anybody that's feeling overwhelmed with social media, especially Instagram, don't try to post every single day right away, because a lot of people tend to do that and then give up and then don't post for weeks because they feel frustrated, stressed, or they just don't have time. Right. So I always try to recommend try one month of planning three to four posts a week. And what I like to do is I like to categorize those three to four posts. So it could just have a few different kind of topics. So one could be a tip, one could be some kind of motivation for your industry. um, And maybe one is a testimonial, let's say. So let's just say three of those, then repeat that every week for those four weeks of the month. So you just have to come up with four tips, you have to come up with four testimonials, and you have to come up with four motivation. So what happens is you categorize these all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden, it seems really easy to come up with four testimonials. And then all of a sudden, it seems really easy to come up with four tips if you just sat down and work on them. And I think what happens is we get so focused on trying to create the week ahead or the day ahead that we overwhelm ourselves. And instead of just going, okay, you know what, I could just sit down and create four tips. That is easy. We categorize it, simplify it, and then just get that created, right? So anything to simplify is always my favorite way to go. Absolutely. It sure is the easiest way. 
Um, so let's talk about the types of content you could create on Instagram. Then you have mm-hmm. carousels, you have stories, yeah. you have reels. Mm-hmm. If somebody had to pick one of those to focus on, which Ooh. one would you recommend? Oh, that's a tough one. So one thing I'm noticing right now in the trends is that reels still seems to be the the most watched, the most engaged type of content on Instagram. Now, again, people get super overwhelmed with the idea of reels. So there are ways to simplify reels as well. So let's just say you're doing some motivational posts. So like we were saying, maybe you want to do one a week and that can be for the month. You can turn motivational posts. So say you were doing quotes, um, cause that's just something that's super trendy on Instagram. Let's just say you're doing a quote and maybe you even have like a bit of a video in the background. So one thing that is a big trend right now is people are capturing what they call B-roll. So if anybody is unfamiliar with B-roll, it's just basically any kind of video content of behind the scenes. It doesn't have to be anything specific. It could be you working at your desk, you showing say a house, like it could be literally you going for a walk in the morning. It doesn't even have to be anything fancy. Um, It can just literally be video of anything. There's one that's super popular on Instagram right now is just people at the beach <laughs> taking videos of like the ocean and then quotes on top of it or some kind of tip. So any tips, any quotes, you can put that on B-roll or you can just have it in a Canva document. So if you're not familiar with Canva, I highly recommend it. It's just such a great free tool. Um, and they have real templates. So you can go in there and you can just have the quote wrote out and it just makes it into a reel. So it makes it into a video for you you download it the same way you would as any other post and you can make it into a reel. So, and you just go on and add music to it. So it can be really simple. I know reels get really overwhelming for people because there's always these new trends and people are trying to keep up with it all, but you can really simplify it to your strategy. It seems like you sure can. I hadn't even thought of that. Um, (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Right. Um, So, okay, cool. So, Let's talk secondary and tertiary. And <laughs> reels number one. Yeah. Um, where would you go after once they have their real strategy dialed in? Where would you go next? Okay. So if I were doing this next, what I would say is stories. So for me, Instagram stories is where I connect and communicate with my community. So what happens is I think a lot of entrepreneurs just feel like they need to constantly grow and they forget to really nourish the people that are already there in their community, right? I think this is an ongoing thing. It doesn't seem to matter like what platform it is. Like it just feels like it's always this numbers game of like, we need more followers. We need more sales. We need more people. We need more clients. Uh, But I think we tend to also forget that a lot of current clients, past clients, like they're there and they are potential clients again, right? So, or they might have referrals. So don't forget about your community that you have already. So that's where I love spending my time and my stories because I am on there every single day. That's where I put my most effort And that is where I take 99% of my clients and sales is from my stories. So yes, reels are great to continuously be um, consistent and posting and be relevant on say the algorithms, but I connect most with my community and do most of my sales right through stories. Everyone who listens to our show knows Matt and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, Many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times you have watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. 
When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. And the results prove this. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secret that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is why we have opened up a few one-on-one coaching slots with Freedom Chasers Coaching, where you can get a plan to financial freedom that is completely customized to fit who you are and where you want to go, and most importantly, how you want to get there. Where you can get a plan to financial freedom that is completely customized to fit who you are, where you want to go, and how you want to get there. The benefit of working with Matt and I is that we are interviewing between 5 and 20 successful people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten the inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We are able to work with you to pick the strategy that will fit the best and then help you create the custom plan and steps to take you quickly into financial freedom. The fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us, and let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Okay, I love this. Um, Mm -hmm. So basically, like reels, because my understanding of reels, and I'm no expert, um, Mm -hmm. but they will hit hit people that are not in your audience, essentially. Mm -hmm. And stories are more geared toward your audience. So what would you be putting in your stories? Um, so to speak then. Yeah, great question. So I love showing up behind the scenes. I love showing day to day what I'm working on, what I'm doing. And the reason why is because I think it makes people feel like they are there with me. They are, you know, it's like they get to see that glimpse. They feel like they get to know me and my world and even just like a bit of personal life, right? Then they feel like they actually know me. And what I love about this is that when I meet people in real life for the first time after them seeing me on Instagram, then they feel like they already know me, like they're friends, right? And that is the best feeling. I have felt that before too. When I have met people, I have like off social media, then I'm like, I already know lots about you. Like, this is great. It's like, it's not like, oh, just meeting uncomfortably for the first time. And that's how I want my clients to feel. So when I have a discovery call with them, when I meet them in person, I want them to feel like they already know me. So that's one of the biggest things that you can be posting on your stories. I also share my offers in there and I remind people regularly. So you may not be necessarily having to post all the time, but in like, say your feed, but on your stories, you can constantly remind people of what you have coming up or my favorite thing is teasers. So for anybody that follows me, they would think this is my middle name, but I love teasing what I'm working on, what's coming up, um, giving hints, playing like games and polls, asking their feedback, um, all of that. So there's so many different things you can do inside stories. All right. So I love that. I mean, I was just talking to somebody in marketing that is a real big fan of teasing. So like, mm-hmm. give me a little bit more context there. How, how could you um, efficiently tease a new product offer or something along those lines? I love this question. Okay. So like I said, teasing is like my middle name with this stuff. So what I would say is I like to say something is coming. So that automatically shares that I'm going to be making announcements soon. So they're then automatically going to want to be staying tuned, right? So then they're going to be checking more often to see what's coming up. The next thing I like to do is I like to create countdowns. So you can use the countdown sticker and that gives you an exact deadline. So then again, they're constantly checking back and 
seeing what's happening. I'm going to use an example of my conference this year. Uh, so I did the same thing. I said something's coming. And then I had said that the conference was coming back. And then I started teasing the date and I started teasing then the location. And then I started teasing that I had a keynote that was going to be coming in. Um, but I was going to then have a countdown for when that was. And I'm telling you, when I did that countdown to the speaker announcement, it was like, I can't even describe you the energy that came in from that. I had people from all across Canada and the US tuning in to figure out who this was. Um, I got asked to go to the property, which was a Fairmont uh, property, Jasper Park Lodge, and um, did the announcement from there. It was just humongous to do this announcement. Um, but the hype had all been from weeks leading up of the tease. <laughs> so I was teasing for weeks in the stories leading up to it. Absolutely. I love that. Um, so I have to ask one more question about Instagram. Um, Sounds good. I'm like the oldest millennial ever, I suppose, um, because I have <laughs> Facebook working fairly well. I'm new to Instagram. Mm -hmm. uh, my okay. favorite thing is collab reels. because It's a great way to just pull somebody else's audience and into yours. And it's, yeah. it's, it's basically from what I've told, it's like a free ad. It takes my <laughs> audience, it takes your audience and it creates a lookalike audience at the same time. So we both benefit. Mm -hmm. Um, so obviously Facebook is kind of a text-based platform. How do mm -hmm. I transition from Facebook to Instagram? Because they don't cap me at 5,000. <laughs> Right, right. Yes. So it definitely is more of a visual app, right? So you're going to notice that it's more about those videos. It's more about those photos. Um, so definitely, that's where the reels come in, right? Because people are drawn to video, they're drawn to something that's moving. That's always what captures our attention, right? So even if you open up the app, and you like, what kind of drives me a little nuts in Instagram is you open up the app and what was ever like right there in the newsfeed automatically scrolls down a bit and it shows you a bunch of new content and you're immediately scrolling back to see, Oh, wait, wait what was that? <laughs> because something moved and caught your attention. So I would say like, if you can take video and even just like getting B roll stuff. Now this sounds super weird probably for some people, but just go out and capture video of anything. Like I was saying earlier, if it's just going for a walk daily, if it's you live near water, if you live near some beautiful nature, like just take video of anything. Um, a lot of people will set up just even um, the desk ring lights and take video of them working on their computer. And basically it's just kind of showing people what you're up to in the background, but gives you video content that you can just, like I was saying, do quotes over or tips over. That is one of the biggest trends right now. Um, but just, yeah, to get on Instagram, I would say it's just to get more visual. So creating some video content and also just showing up. That's the biggest thing. Um, the second thing I would say, a second piece of advice is trying to really get involved in sharing other people's content because they're going to be really appreciative of that and they're going to share your content. So it's the same thing like you were saying where, you know, you have access to each other's um, audiences and networks and communities, same thing. So as much as you can get on front of other people's audiences on Instagram, that will be very helpful too. Absolutely tremendous. Thank you for that advice. Um, moving on, I know you work with a lot of business coaching clients and, and you mentioned mm -hmm. that goal setting is one of um, your top priorities when working with somebody. So let's talk about yeah. what a goal setting session with Ashley looks like. 
Oh, that's a good question. So one of the things that <laughs> some of my clients will joke about, so two things. Um, one, I'm very specific and I really push my clients to get more specific. So what will often happen is I often push my clients to think and dream as big as possible. And I think what happens as entrepreneurs, we get really stuck in the hustle and the day-to-day -day work and we forget to think long-term or big picture. We might have what we call one-day goals of what we would love to see ourselves achieving one day. Um, uh, but often they feel so far away that we don't put a lot of time and energy into that yet. So what I like to do is start by asking questions about what one day looks like. Like if you could achieve anything right here, right now, what would it look like? So for example, if you would have asked me earlier this year, if I was doing the conference again, I would have said not yet, but one day. <laughs> so this conference, I had big dreams of bringing it back and putting it into the mountains and just having this epic kind of experience for my attendees. And so I, again, said one day. And then what happened was then I started talking about it. So this is the next step. So you might have a one day goal and you may be thinking about it. The first step is writing it down. And then the second step is talking about it. Just say it out loud to somebody and see, it doesn't even matter what their response is. But what happened for me with the conference is I spoke to someone that was working at Jasper Park Lodge. Um, it was a new contact for me. And I joke, I was like, I made the mistake. I, it was not a mistake. It was incredible. But I said it out loud that I wanted to bring my conference back one day and I dreamed of having it in the mountains. Again, that one day, the whole one day thing is going to be a, a big <laughs> part of my story. So then I spoke it out loud and then I started doing the research and that's really the next step. So when you have a one day goal and it feels really far away, the next thing that you do after speaking this out loud or maybe writing it down is then really figuring out what will it actually take to get there? So I'm not sure if you read Everything is Figure Outable by Marie Forleo, but she has this mantra around that. And basically, if something isn't figure outable, it's usually by nature of law, such as death or gravity, something we actually physically can't change. But most things are figure outable, right? So it's sometimes even though they seem like really far fetched goals or really big goals, there are always ways to get to that goal. We just sometimes have to look at it and actually take time to understand what it would take to get there, right? So for example, when I started thinking about the conference earlier this year, I had said to Jasper Park Lodge, I'm thinking in a few years, I would do this again, it's going to take a lot, like I have big goals for this. Um, but I actually don't know who I want to bring in for a keynote speaker. And I always bring in a celebrity keynote speaker, I don't know who that's going to be yet. So I'm going to need to take some time. And it was really funny, because it was a week later, <laughs> I woke up ridiculously early one morning, and my mind just started going to who would I even bring in if I did this again? And the first thought that went through my mind was, well, I know who my one day goals are. Like I want, I would love to bring in someone like Jenna Kutcher of the Gold Digger podcast. Like, you know, someone that's like a trailblazer for podcasters and entrepreneurs and, and things like that. Now, of course I'm going, that's a really far-fetched goal, right? Like that's, that's like industry leaders at the very top of the chain. I you know, one day, one day, that sounds cool. So then I started thinking, again, I'm awake really early and not like clearly thinking. And I just went, you know what, I should just find out what it looks like to bring her in. Because I need to know this if I want to do it one day, I need to understand what it's going to take if I want to achieve it, right? So that's what I really say about do your research to understand what it takes to get there. And so then I decided to email her team and find out what it looks like. And so 
again, this was me just making the ask and not having any expectations on the outcome. It was just, let's see what happens. Worst case scenario, I never hear back. So there's a huge chance that I may never hear back. So I reached out two days later, her assistant responded and said, I think she'd actually be very interested in this. Can you send us more information? So this again was me taking the next steps, right? It's just like it was baby steps, but it was taking a step forward. It wasn't staying, you know, stuck or it wasn't staying doing nothing. I decided to just take baby steps forward. So I spent the weekend writing up an email that shared all about basically my mission and the impact I wanted to make and why I was going to do this conference again. And I sent it out Monday morning. And two hours later, I heard back from Jenna herself, who wanted to be a part of this. And if I would have never made that ask and started taking those baby steps, this conference would not be happening. And Jenna freaking Kutcher would not be coming to Canada this year to my conference. That's absolutely tremendous. And then this for anybody out there listening, like, one day could be a lot sooner than you think it is if you yes. just take the small baby steps in the right direction. Exactly. Exactly. That's where I love saying I love turning one day goals into today goals. Mm -hmm. And you'd be amazed how often that happens by right? accident. It often happens yeah. by total accident. It's like, <laughs> exactly. I'm just going to see what it'll take. I'm just going to see. Yeah. <laughs> just an exploratory email. No big deal. Um, right. And look at what happened. Exactly. Um, so let's talk about event planning a little bit. Mm, um, sounds good. So if somebody wanted to plan an event, like what mm -hmm. would be the action steps that you recommend? Ooh, okay. So first thing is, is getting really clear on what kind of event it is and who it's for. So like, what's the purpose of the event? Um, so really understanding what that's going to be, because that's going to help you later market it, depending if it's a public event or private event, whatever that looks like. Um, I'm assuming it's going to be more so public. So getting a good, clear understanding of who's coming. For me, I this is where I usually differ from other event planners. So quite often event planners are very much for dealing with logistics, all the small details and all of that. For me, where I felt like I differed is I always wanted to really look at what the guest experience was going to be like. So this is where I try to understand who it is that's coming in, who's this event for, who's going to be in attendance, and what kind of experience do I want them to have? And what do I want them to leave feeling, right? So understanding who it is that you want to have it for, and then start making sense of all the smaller details of like, when is it going to be? Um, where is it going to be? Like the, you know, the fun who, what, where, when, why <laughs> kind of details of it. So figuring out that now, because you now understand who it's going to be, you're going to plan it around what works best for them. So just as an example, say you're planning an event for moms that need some time away from their kids. I'm just throwing out an example. So maybe Maybe the during the day when she's at home with the kids isn't going to work because now she's going to have to find childcare. But maybe at night, say her husband can stay at home with the kids. She has the evening available, right? So you understand who it is that you're planning it for, and then you can base it, uh, the time, the place, the location, all of that around there. So getting a good understanding of who it's for, planning out those details, and then deciding what exactly you want them to experience. It's funny, like most strategies like this, if you just reverse engineer who you mm -hmm. want to be there, <laughs> yes. and you work it from there, you'll be yes. in pretty decent shape. So exactly. let's say we're doing an event for real estate investors. Um, okay. How would you approach that? And I could give you as much context if you need. I know I'm kind of throwing yeah. you in the water here. So ask, <laughs> feel okay. free to ask me questions and I'll give you any yeah, information no, you may need. And when it's for, who is it that's putting it on? and for the investors. 
So let's say it's a real estate agent that's putting it on. Obviously, their goal is a secret to the audience, right? Don't tell the Mm -hmm. audience this goal. My goal is to get real estate investor clients that will buy and sell with me. But (laughs) obviously, we don't (laughs) want to tell the the audience that. They don't need to know that. That's our goal. That's a secret goal. Mm -hmm. Um, um, So yeah, let's say they're targeting fix and flip investors. I think that'd be a great person for a real estate agent to target because not only are they buying Mm -hmm. homes, but they're selling homes. You could double tap it and then you could do multiple transactions per year. It's a great client to target. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's just say, would a good example be at say maybe somewhere that is a previous client's home or like somewhere that has been flipped or would you do where kind of, what kind of location would you do it in? Well, I like where you're going. It seems like it'd be a lot cooler to actually do it at a fix and flip home. It's like, oh, we could talk about all the challenges we went through on this one and stuff like that. So I think that's almost ideal, like a walkthrough. Mm -hmm. And then you could actually get like future people that are interested in flipping too. Um, (laughs) It's like, this is what (laughs) a flip looks like. Um, So now you got my wheels turning. Um, But yeah, I mean, most (laughs) people that do this, they'll do it at like a hotel room or a restaurant or something. But this sounds a lot funner. Yeah, right. Well, I think the thing is, is, again, coming back to understanding who your audience is going to be. So when you think of, say, having them at somewhere that's been flipped, it opens a conversation up to have with them, right? And that's what you want. Like maybe typically at, say, a hotel, maybe that's maybe that feels generic. Maybe that feels like what everybody else is doing. So how can you think outside the box and do something where it's a little more unique, maybe like another client's property, something where you've done some work or you can discuss what has happened here and then open the conversation up to what would work really well for these potential investors, right? And have those conversations. And I think that's the biggest thing is creating those relationships with them, right? So it always starts, it's the same with Instagram. You start with a conversation. That's where DMs come in really handy because you begin building a relationship with those conversations and then it grows from there. Absolutely. So I'm just curious because this is actually like my largest weakness. Like, I mean, it seems like something I would just outsource, honestly, but like, how do you start dealing with food and stuff like that? It just seems like a huge, huge detail oriented thing that is not good for the visionary types. Um, so do you mean the food at the events, like how you deal with those logistics? Yeah, that's okay. Um, so what I would say is with those kinds of things, um, a couple of options, you could look at potential businesses that maybe you want to partner with that maybe you bring in from all these events. So maybe you make some kind of agreement with ones that maybe it's some favorite restaurants or caterers that you really enjoy going to yourself or working with and just then again, like maybe this isn't a one-time event. To me, this almost sounds like it could be something that turns into a regular event. So then creating partnerships and asking them to, um, I think once you build and establish a relationship with some of those caterers or restaurants, then they're going to understand what you're looking for. Now, the fun thing is, is for example, when I work with somewhere like a venue such as Jasper Park Lodge, they show me the menu, but they also say, hey, we are happy to get creative and we can give you some options. And if you're going, okay, I'm not good at this. This is not my cup of tea. (laughs) This is not my area of expertise. Um, Then that's a great way to delegate it, right? And say, can you actually bring me some ideas and I can approve them? And that takes that workload off you. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, anybody doing a real estate investor meetup, it should definitely be monthly because that's something that will Mm -hmm. compound very, very quickly if you just stick to it. Like you don't even have to be very good at it, honestly. Um, No, No, exactly. (laughs) You don't need to be the event planner. You just need to understand who is coming, right? And understanding what kind of experience you want them to have. Absolutely. I'd love to just 
touch upon sponsorship um, because mm-hmm. I talk to people doing events all the time and they make it look yes. so easy. And it's like, do you just ask enough people and some people say yes? I would love to get a quick broad strokes overview of what it looks like to look for sponsors. So this is a really great question. And something that I actually changed when it came to my conference this year was that I decided now this is different for everybody. But for me, I decided I didn't want to call them sponsorships. I decided I wanted to call them partnerships. Now, again, this is because I really wanted to create partnerships that were win win. And the term sponsorship often means that it is a business or brand or organization that is donating funds and having their business logo attached to something. And for me, I wanted to make it really different where partnerships really meant that it was win-win for both parties. It wasn't just about getting cash or, you know, like just funds on board. It was really about promoting each other's brands, supporting each other and creating long-term relationships. So for me, uh, when, even when it comes to something as a sponsorship, that's often termed as sponsorship, it's about building those relationships with those businesses or brands. So it's the same thing as the caterer, right? So if you go and make, you know, an agreement with them, create a partnership, and then they start catering all of your future events, then it's something that becomes a long-term partnership or relationship with. So same thing with sponsors. It's really approaching it again, understanding and showing what your mission is and making sure that their mission is in alignment and going from there. Absolutely. Um, Very cool. Very actionable advice there. Thank you for that. Um, You're most welcome. Ashley, um, anybody listening to this show and they wanted to get in touch with you in regards to Instagram, business mm-hmm. coaching, or event planning. What would be the best way for them to do so? So the most important thing to know about me is my happy place is Instagram. <laughs> so please connect with me over on Instagram at Ashley Madel. Easiest way, my website is also ashleymadel.com. I'll make sure you have all the links for the show notes for sure. Uh, but Instagram is really my favorite place. And then if you're interested in more of my regular uh, tips and who I interview as well over on my podcast, um, you can connect with me on the Glowgetter podcast as well. There you have it. Um, I think I would have a serious, serious problem with somebody that was an Instagram coach and like, reach out to me on Facebook. Right. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine? (laughs) So it makes a lot of sense. Um, There you have it, everybody. If you want to get some tips on your Instagram game, um, you know where to go. Um, Ashley Maydahl, thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business. And to those of you out there chasing freedom, freedom is accomplished one action at a time. So go out there and commit to taking one action from this episode. Um, Why don't you set some one-day goals and start taking the actions needed to turn them into today goals and tell somebody you know that will help hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next episode. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 